Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's cooking, everybody? Welcome back to The O Show, episode 482. Remember, we're sponsored by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness in Scottsdale, Arizona. Mayweather Boxing and Fitness is an inclusive, high-intensity fitness experience developed by the champ Floyd Money Mayweather himself, formulated with the perfect combination of boxing, strength, and cardio conditioning intervals designed to make you look good, feel good, and leave you with more than just a great sweat. Head on down to Mayweather Boxing and Fitness in Scottsdale, Arizona. We're also sponsored by betonline.ag. Sign up for that 50% bonus by using the promo code right there, capital B-L-E-A-V-50. Again, that's capital B-L-E-A-V-50 for a 50% bonus only at betonline.ag. We got the Packers and the 49ers today. Gentlemen, who you got? At Lambeau, right? Uh, I'm going with uh, Aaron Rodgers. That's a safe bet, man. Yeah. We got Sam. We got Jack. Yeah. Uh, he's going to be very We're light. going with Green Bay 100% today. Green Bay. 49ers slip by you know, Cowboys barely. See, I'm a Cowboys fan, and okay. I looked at it like Jimmy G performed well, but it's like you beat the Cowboys. Yeah. Right? right. We could have gone 16-0. and 0. It's like you still beat yeah. the Cowboys in the postseason. That's not right. that impressive. Exactly. They were slipping up all game, and San Francisco just barely got by. Barely. Barely. Who else is playing today? Uh, the Bengals are playing today. The ba- I honestly yeah. like the Bengals. I do, too. I didn't have them over the Raiders last week yeah. for whatever reason. I'm just, like, not into yeah. it. I'm just, like, at the Bengals' first playoff game since 91. Right, right. Yeah. Right? Like, Kurt Cobain was alive the last time <laughs> they made the playoffs. I think it was, like, the Houston Oilers. It's kind of weird yeah. saying the Bengals, you know, in the playoffs right now. You know, it's like... Who'd you grow up? Were you a Panthers fan? Panthers fan, man. So what, Bahama, North Carolina? Well, Bahama. Bahama? So See, I don't it's, know. It's, Dur- it's Durham County. It's Durham County. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. so it's like, you know, where the Blue Devils, Duke. and, um, and so, so you were a good while away from Charlotte then. Yeah, I was about two hours. About okay. two hours, yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. You're in town for what? Literally like 48 hours, yeah. is it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you were doing the uh, Barrett-Jackson event? Mm-hmm. Were you performing? Were you uh, yeah, just... um, so it's this band, uh, Prince Board. He's the music director, uh, Black Eyed Peas. He has this band called um, Funky Mama All-Stars. And so I'm the singer of the Funky Mama All-Stars. And it's, it, it consists of... You guys are of... right there. You were talking about the leather jacket before we came on. There oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, appreciate it. I don't think it, I could pull off the red. Yeah, man, shout out to D Squared. Maybe with a black undershirt, who knows? You could do it. You could do it. Look at you right now, you know? I have, this is from one company. I forget the name of it, but they had like black, gray, tan. Yeah, let me see. Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't yeah. know if this is cheap leather or not. No, nobody has to know. But Yeah, no one has to know. But it, it looks good. It looks good. So when did you, because we were talking about a little bit before, every all the different things that you do. You know, <laughs> you could say you're an entrepreneur, you're a producer, you write your own right. stuff. You know, you right. work with other artists, too. Right. What, did it just start out with music and it kind of evolved into the business side? You kind of fell in love with that stuff? Well, I mean, I, I grew up doing music. You know, of course, in Carolina, you know, you grew up, you know, in the church. You know what I'm saying? And, uh and I started playing drums like around at three years old. And then I moved over to keys when I was like seven. And and then it started being like musical chairs as far as all the instruments. And then, you know, 
I didn't realize that I could become a producer until I was like, wait, you know, I know about bass lines, I know about keys, I know about drums, and it's all about putting it together. So I've been doing music essentially all my life. I heard that your grandma Ruth kind of put yeah. you to work early. Yeah. You were performing in front of her friends every Sunday when you were every, three years old? Every Sunday, man. Every Sunday. It was crazy. But did you like it going in, or did she like, you're going oh, to instrument? I looked for it. I was you're ready. Lights, camera, action, let's go. Really? And it was that, it was, I think it was that training that, um, you know, you know, that prepared me for, you know, today, you know, because, you know, you got to turn it on. Like, as soon as they, last night, they introduced us, and it was time to go. You know what I'm saying? No warm-up, no nothing. Just, you know, these are, you know, rich, <laughs> rich old money, you know? Right, <laughs> and so right. you have to entertain them and make them dance. And usually that's, like, the toughest crowd. But we made it work. We made it happen. But, you know, it all started when I was little. I've literally been doing this all my life. That's so fun. I mean, you started with the drums. Yeah, yeah. How long did the singing voice come to first? My brother is a musician. He lived in Nashville for a little bit. Nice. I, I had to listen to that growing up, <laughs> him messing up the chord at the exact same spot every time for like a Dave Matthews song. Right, right. And then the singing voice came along probably like 15 years in yeah, yeah. the experience. Was it quick for you? Was it, um, did you take this, lessons? Uh, kindergarten, uh, that was my first solo. I did kindergarten, this, yeah, kindergarten, yeah. I did the Circle of Life for my elementary school uh, course, and uh, I was the only kindergartner that had a solo, and um, it's, that started a whole new can of worms, man. After it was discovered that I could sing, I knew I could sing. You know, what I'm saying I always sing for my grandmother, um, but that was the first time that everybody, you know, as far as like in the public, that wasn't like in my church, uh, found that I could sing, and after that. I had a solo, and then in, in second grade, I was playing um, drums for the chorus, and I would get off the drums and then go sing a solo. And so Miss Brewer, uh, she's probably one of my, one of my biggest uh, musical influences because um, in elementary school, she put my gift to work. She would have me playing drums for the chorus. She would have me singing for the chorus. She would have me playing keys for the chorus. Um, and all those things never been done you know, under her uh, leadership. So I was like, um, shout out to her. She even even after school, she would spend time with me and my sister um, and we'll go over like Mary Poppins and, <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, all that, you know, the childhood um, yeah. songs. And uh, this was every day. That was like my after school care. And then I would go to after school care and then we, you know, all that stuff after like a music lesson. Um, so, you know, it was elementary school. You obviously loved it from the start, though, because like before most kids mm -hmm. are figuring out what the hell they even want to do with their lives, you already know the production side. Right, You're starting right. to learn a little bit about the business side. Right. But as a young kid, I'm kind of curious, you know, people, parents, I've seen parents, you know, in your case, your grandmother, mm -hmm. you know, not that she did, but, right. you know, push you to the point where it's like almost burnout. In a sense. Yeah. Did you ever get a, a sense of burnout and want to take a break from it? No, I mean, it was all around me. You know, like the we didn't really have anything to do in Carolina. You know, we yeah. either played ball, played sports, uh, did music, went to church, came back home, did homework, you know, in school. And you know, homework was probably the last thing I did. But uh, <laughs> and so, you know, we just literally, um, you know, I would wake up, you know, I would play drums, wake up, run around, play. I was just I had I had a really good childhood when it comes to just having the right things, um, the right tools in front of me. You know, just the, it was fun. You know, I was right. playing it. I didn't think about the music business until after college. 
you know, I, oh man, it's a music business. I just was fortunate to um, have it at my disposal growing up and happened to be able to play it and pick it up. And uh, it turned into this, you know, shit, I can make money from this. Wow. Right. <laughs> Which is honestly a great way of looking at it. Like you were able to play for the love of playing growing right. up and didn't really focus on the business side. Because right. as Jack probably knows, I could be way off, but this is just what I hear. Like it's, it could be a cutthroat business, the yeah. business side of it. Yeah, music. 100%. I mean, it's never a guarantee. And the reality is like 97, 98% of artists are never going to be able to make a living yeah. or like a long standing living, yeah. be able to earn retirement. But, you know, this guy's well on his way. So you guys hooked up at the Grammys 2020. Was this pre pandemic? Yes. Yeah. Grammys like is like two months February, before. right? Yeah. 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 So just on the border. So we yeah. met probably a month and a half before everything kind of got weird. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and you being in LA, again, like you moved in 2019, yeah. probably just over a year, less than a year. Yeah. You had to go through all of that. Was it just bizarro world out there? I mean, I'm a studio junkie, so, you know, it didn't really change the way I live. Your schedule, yeah. Yeah, it didn't change anything for me, uh, slightly, as, as far as shows, right? Um, a lot of my favorite venues, um, they closed down. Uh, a Sayers Club. You ever heard of Sayers Club? I have not. Yeah, Sayers Club is like. I a, need to get more familiar with that area. <laughs> well, I mean, it's gone now. You know, uh, you know, R.I.P. to Sayers Club. It was, it was probably uh, the venue that launched me, in um, in L.A. You know, that's where a lot. Of, I've, I met a lot of people um, between between Unplugged L.A., which is like an event in um, in L.A. that uh, it's more of like a soul R&B event. Then you have Sayers, those like rock, um, real big lights, big sound, seven piece band. Yeah. And then you have Delilah, which is like an intimate vibe. Uh, it's Drake's club. That's where Jamie discovered me. Um, and, you know, it's it, it was like those three. And so, but Sayers was like the middle ground and, it, and it's gone now. But um, so that was, that was the toughest thing is not getting that adrenaline rush to, you know, performing. But... You know, I dove into the studio, and um, and then Jamie Foxx did too. And so, you know, we did probably like 75 to 80 songs now. Uh, because of that, we were literally locked in, and we developed chemistry. He couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't go anywhere. Um, and we locked down and went to work, man. So, Jeez. So, I mean, the so pandemic he was just was, out and about, out um, of place, and he discovered you? or Oh, yeah, he was, so he was, he was at Delilah. Uh, he likes to go to Delilah every now and then. And um, I was singing, like, Purple Rain, and I was at the end of it. He took Can't his camera Purple out. Rain. Yeah, he took his camera phone out, and MGK, he started bowing when I started doing the print scream and all that shit. So it was um, it was excellent, man. Um, it was it was a Hollywood night. You know what I'm saying? That's what people, oh, you got to go to Hollywood. You know, you got to go to L.A., you know. And I was already pretty much experienced in the industry before then. But then that was like the straw that brought the camels back, you know, when it, oh, 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 and then the hype, you know. In L.A., yeah. all you need is, like, one cosign from an A-lister, and I got multiple in one night. <laughs> but did you go to L.A. with the intent of knowing, like, I got to connect with people, I got to go out and about, I got to perform live in front of people? Um, they, they say that's one of the more important things yeah. as a musician is to perform live in I front mean, of people as, as much as you can. I think that's why it happened so fast. Because, I mean, if you, if you think about it, it's not a lot of male performers yeah, um, uh, or entertainers. You know, I grew up entertaining, you know, especially at mega churches, bro. 
Man, they, if you if you're not making the people move, they're gonna let you know. <laughs> they're gonna let you know. And so I had to do, I had to understand the art of communicating through, you know, uh, through music yeah. and through vocals and through live performing uh, at an early age. And so um, it was just, it took some. L.A. is a different energy, so it took some fine tuning. But once I figured out the the, the energy out here. Oh man, I, I took it and ran with it, you know, because you it's can't. It's a totally different vibe. You can't sing inward. From. You can't sing inward at all. You gotta sing outward, and you gotta make sure that you know you're delivering. You know, if you're not getting a response, you're not doing something right. You know, because LA will let you know immediately. And um, again, you learned that at a very young age, performing yeah. and just in front of your grandma's friends when you were three years old. Yeah, man. So I feel like you really didn't have much st- stage fright heading into it. I mean, I mean, maybe you were anxious. Yeah. Man, LA is crazy. It, honestly, it was, I had those jitters like I would have like before a basketball game uh, every time I performed for a little while because um, at first you're making a first. I had to make probably a hundred first impressions, right? You know, and so if you, you know, you performing under fire each time. Number one, either you're gonna you're gonna break or you're gonna grow. And man, I, I saw my growth because it was pushing me in a different point. You know what I'm saying? I had to have a good performance, no matter if I was tired or if I sung five times already that week, it was the first time that crowd was seeing me. So I had to kind of have amnesia, right? I don't care if I scored 30 points the game before, right? I gotta have amnesia about the next game yeah. so I can play that next game I can't, you know? So that's how, that, that was the mentality that I took to each performance. Shout out to Kobe. <laughs> yeah. Mamba mentality. Did you go to any of those ceremonies out there, being out there? Um, I actually saw the night of um, the de- of his death, and so um, I did Purple Rain. I did a few other songs, and it was so sad in the room. And you know, we dedicated the night to Kobe. Um, it was weird singing the night that he passed at, at Delilah, actually. And you know the Lakers were there. Um, you could see the tears. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was one of those moments, man. Where it was surreal. I couldn't believe it was happening because I mean, Kobe Bryant. He uh, that was the only poster that I had in my room growing up was his. And uh, one of my friends, a uh, good friend of mine, uh, Jay Young MDK, um, uh, he called me crying. You know, because that was our hero. You know what I'm saying? And it was like, how did this happen to him? Not Kobe, you know. So, um, you know, even when I when I was attacking LA, you know, what I'm saying I, I had that mentality. Like, you know, you can't be scared. You got to go get it. You got to be tough. Um, you have to be excellent. You got to be the best. And so I was trained to be the best. You know, I had full development coming in, and so it was all about not letting anything get in my head and staying consistent. Um, even though I have the talent to have all these skills. You still have to work hard. Oh, yeah. You still have to work hard and put in the work. And that's something I wasn't afraid to do. Do you remember, on a solemn note, the uh, first time that you felt that you bombed in front of a live audience? Or at least in your own head, let's felt see. like you didn't get the reaction that you wanted? Um, let's see. Let's see. That's a good question. Uh, or does everything you touch just turn to gold? Man, lately, I'm not, not going to even lie. I haven't had the opportunity to afford those moments yet. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's see. That's a um, confident answer. I um, love it. I, I really haven't had the opportunity to, 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 to bomb. You know, one thing you don't do is bomb. 
But right. if you at a certain skill level and at a certain point, you know, you're not going to, um, cause even if I forget the words to something, I'm going to, I'm going to do a run or something or scat, yeah. or you learn all these skills to make sure that you don't. And let's see, I'm trying to think when I, it has to be, I'll say this, um, national championship game. Uh, no, the national tournament when I was at Barton College. And I played college basketball. Um, it was my first national tele televised national anthem at the scene. And I started it too high. And so I had to sing majority of it in my falsetto. And I was like, man, if, if I make one move. So that was like one of the ones where I didn't feel like I did my best. Yeah. But I didn't mess up. Right. You know? <laughs> It was but, something that you'd noticed, but like the average person listening wouldn't right, have right. thought twice about. Yeah, it was like Game Proof the I was up there and I was like Dude, that didn't bother me at all. Yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> Can we do the full rendition? Well, you know, um, <laughs> I most definitely started lower because right now I feel like I'm a bass. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you played college basketball yeah do you play in that game yeah so like mm -hmm. if you screwed that up just botched <laughs> the hell out of it you, ha you would have to go play a game in front of man it was x amount of people college was hilarious so i i sung the national anthem before every basketball game i played in since middle school wow so i would have to man i would have to do warm-ups and all that stuff and then control my breathing to get ready to sing the national anthem and then get ready to play. Man. And sometimes, man, no matter if I score 20 points, grab 10 boards, five assists, or something like that, a crazy game, everybody's talking about that national anthem. Man, man, you can play, man, but wow, man, that national anthem is crazy. Like, it was, I'm like, but you're not gonna talk about the game I just had, man. Like, <laughs> like I was just, I was killing. Like, you just talking about the national anthem. So, um, in a way, in a subliminal way, I kind of always knew that uh, I wasn't LeBron right. in, in, in basketball, but I was most definitely LeBron in music. Did it ever rival music for you, or was music always number one? Um, honestly, mu music was one of those things where no matter what, that was being done. So it didn't, it didn't come across as an option until like after college. It's like, well, I had to choose one. Like my senior year in college, I had to choose. Um, and that was the first time I ever had to choose between basketball and music. Uh, but it was it was time. It was time to make yeah. that choice. And I, I think I made the right decision. Yeah, you're all grown up now. Yeah, man, because, I mean, we would, we would play ball after church. You know, we would, yeah. you know, it was just that, you know, that small town, country boy, we we about to hoop, and then we about to go sing these songs. You know, we about to go to the studio, and I don't know who paid for studio time. I don't know how he was in the studio all the time. <laughs> I think everybody was just doing it for the love, right? At that point in time, and and it was so safe. Um, but it, you know, that was just life. So I never, like I said, I never really had the chance to choose. I didn't even know that was I, I would have to, um, but I. Anthony Atkinson, he was like the All American. Uh, he went to he went to go play with the uh, um, Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah, uh, and so that was my teammate. 
And um, he was like, man, honestly, Sam, you can play ball, but music is where is your gift. And he, he said I should pretty much stop playing basketball and focus on the gift because at that time, Division Two is political. And, you know, I mean, it's very hard to, to go overseas. Somebody from from Carolina that was on the bench would get a, a look because of, you know, they went to Carolina and played before somebody that started at Barton College, right, right. Division Two. Even though we won the national championship, it was still those politics. So um, I didn't want to run into those type of politics. I, I didn't know an agent. I didn't have a... Um, any any contacts for in, for the pros, it would have to be my coach connecting me, and he's kind of old school. So you know, uh, Coach Levensey, he wasn't the type of person to um, to have a relationship with scouts, yeah, because they oh, can really? get they can get kind of weird. You know what I'm saying? They can get kind of tricky, um, and re- with regulations, NCAA regulations, and all that stuff. So he was about the book. So it was up to us to kind of figure that out. And I was like, nah, I'm not going to chase the hoop dream after college. It's, it's time for, for full-blown music. I mean, when you get older, it starts becoming more about the business side. Like you're playing in front of scouts. Yeah. It's not, it's not about the team anymore. Everybody's yeah, yeah. playing individually. Yeah. That's what sucked for me. Like I had no talent at all. But uh-huh. like I was playing throughout high school. Right, right, right. But like all the tournaments we had and everything, uh-huh. the tournaments. I always say tournaments because I'm from the East Coast and people never correct me on it. But out here, I guess it's tournament. <laughs> Even though it's I, I think it sounds a little bit more formal, you know, like kind of British, proper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. Thank so, you. Sounds better the way you say it. How do you how do you say it? Tournament. Tournament. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. Mm. But you know, I, I find that very very. Like, you can't wear hats like that on the basketball court, right? <laughs> exactly. How how important is the uh, the fashion game for you? Um, uh, super important, man. Super. It's important. like part of your brand, right? Yeah, like you know, this is shout out to Dolce and Gabbana. This is a Dolce and Gabbana jumpsuit. Um, and some Dior shoes, man. Like I didn't even realize it was a jumpsuit. Yeah, it's, it's a nice little jumpsuit, and you know I had um, like a red D squared jacket on with it, and you know it's fashion excites me, man, because it's nothing like a, a good look like on stage. You oh, feel yeah. good, even when I was playing basketball or when I was playing football too. I had to have my visor. You know, what I'm saying I had to have the bands and stuff. I had to have the latest, you know, the nice shoes. Uh, basketball, I had to. I always played in Jordans or Kobe's. Yep. And you know, you look good, you play good. And now, if you look good, you sound good. <laughs> oh my God, one hundred percent! Like the more confident you feel, the more yeah. confident you're going to be on stage. Most definitely, most definitely. So Got to be fresh. How far into um, LA did you start your own mm. label? So I always had this vision of Harmonics Factory because, you know, is is me in the studio. And I'm literally, um, you know, my, my college degree is um, audio technology, so engineering. It fits. And when I go into the studio, I would produce it. I would write the song. I would record it. I would mix. I would master it. And I would send it out. Then I would do it over and over and over again, yep. either for myself or somebody else. And I was like, wow, it's like a factory. So I took Sam Harmonics, and I just said Harmonics Factory. Because um, in my head, I wanted to make sure people knew, um, and I kind of, well, in my head, I already figured out that I was like a factory by myself. You know, I was doing six pe- six jobs. You know, I would come in, and you usually need five, five people to do what I do. Um, but I was doing it myself every single day. 
and so harmonics factory and then i turned around harmonics factory is also a way where i can where i can you know discover talent and take what i do and apply it to them and you know build something together because music is boring when you do it by yourself you know but you know harmonics factory allowed me to discover scott mulligan um jordan jeremiah kim cruz stout was already discovered kim cruz is pretty much already discovered but um, do original music with with those type of talents, and um, and man, it's it's growing, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, how selective are you? Like when you first started, and you kind of had a, had a vision and idea for what you wanted it to be. Were you very selective on with who you worked most with? Most definitely, most definitely, because you have to have. I mean, a lot of a lot of artists. I mean, they're just great in the studio, but when you take them live, you know, and they can probably sing good live. But it's about that connection. Like, can you connect with the audience? Like, can you communicate the song? Can you can you move them? And I only wanted to work with people that, when I saw them live, do they have the potential to move mm-hmm. people? Do they have those special magic moments live? Because any artist that, that can have or push themselves to, to have those special moments live, that means they have, right. they have it. Um, and I look at this, anybody that I produce, they should be able to do the Super Bowl one day. That's how skilled they should be because a lot of people can't do the Super Bowl and they're big artists now, they, but they can't carry the load of a Super Bowl. So we have to go back and get the older entertainers. We have to go back and call Katy Perry. We have to use Bruno Mars three, two, three times. Uh, we got to call Beyonce twice. We have to, you know, it's, people are starting to get called again because the new repertoire of artists aren't, um, performing outward and uh yeah i mean i think next is going to be well you see what's happening now <laughs> i mean the super bowl is calling who right dr dre snoop dogg eminem you know that whole crew Mary, i think mary j blige is also joining i think now. that was the last one yeah 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 and no new probably kendrick lamar but he's not new anymore uh we know that he's a performer right uh, entertainer as well um and so, like, what's going on with the new the new school artists? Like, let's get your performing up, get your get your connection up, get your show up. Make sure you have a show. Like, and shows should be almost like a like theatrical. You know, it's it's a mood, it's transitions, it's costumes, it's uh, wardrobe changes. That's what you have to get to to understand like a real show. I feel like um, Adele understands that. That's why she pushed back her show. Yeah. Because she said, the show must be right. My right. show has to be right. And I was like, that's integrity. How, how can you tell personally about who, you know, like, okay, they have an it factor. Mm-hmm. They know, like, this could be someone someday. They just got to mold themselves. Because I think it's very important to surround yourself right. with like-minded people who want to kick down the door. Like you said, like, I want to surround myself with people who want to do the Super Bowl. Right, Some right. people might be like, that's a pretty high expectation, right, Sam. Right. But, like, that's where your head should be if you want to be the best. Right. And, and now I, feel, I don't feel crazy thinking like that because I've only been in L.A. for two years and look where I'm at. Yep. <laughs> you know, so you can't nobody tell me that the... the they can't no one can tell me what's impossible because I've done the impossible already you know um and so when I look at somebody uh if they make the room stop um I can look at the crowd reaction it's really the reaction man if they causing people to react then they have that you know they operating at a certain frequency at a certain vibration where um they can control the room um in church 
you could tell uh, they used to say they would they would say oh that person's anointed or that person this yeah. and that um, just by the move in the room and that you know they, when when you tell them to lift their hands everybody's hands is up when you tell everybody to close their eyes everybody close their eyes when you tell everybody to sing the whole room is singing and so I literally carry that into then I went from a Toby Mac concert and then I went to a um, a Taylor Swift concert in we're, we're doing the same thing. They were doing the same thing. It's the same approach. Right. Um, uh, D'Angelo said one important thing to me that made sense um, to this day. He said um, uh, his, his grandmother told him, no matter if you're in church or if you're outside of church, still communicate to the people the same way. Whatever you do in church, do that same thing live with other music and watch what happens. He didn't do R and B um, and change up anything, you know that. Oh, uh, what's that? How does it feel? That's that's church. Oh, how does it feel? <laughs> you know all that stuff. That's that's church. You know that's quartet. Yep. Um, those breaks. Boop, boop, you know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> guitars. Roads that was all church, and so um, D'Angelo and and Prince heavily influenced my uh, influenced my falsetto um, because those those guys they were baritones, right? They were baritones, but then could flip up, and um, and man, I, I figured out how to use mine. I, I knew I had that type of voice. I mean, I heard Prince in your voice right then and there. <laughs> I'm like, holy! Like if you close your eyes, but, you wouldn't know the difference. Right, man, Prince, man, it's. Um, that's why I like his songs uh, between him and um, it was it's two songs that I, I would say changed my life um, because th those were my go-to's when I would come out here um, and that's uh, A Man's World by James Brown and Purple Rain by Prince you know the way I would do those songs I made them my own and um, I just did a rendition of A Man's World for um, am I allowed to say this? Not yet. I, I mean, we could say it. Agent, is it is it okay? Yeah, yeah, it's all right. Go so to his manager. Yeah, so he Nobody just listens did, to this show anyway. I mean, this guy can cover anything, but he does a fantastic rendition of James Brown, like literally anything. So he just covered A Man's World mm -hmm. for a placement opportunity with a very prestigious music, music company. So we're hoping to land that, and I think we are. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, that's about as far as you, I'm going to go with you're that. Gonna, you're going to hear it. So. Well, I'll be the first to congratulate you both. Appreciate Thank it, you. man. Appreciate it. I man. also want to be the first to condole you guys if it doesn't work out. <laughs> yeah. Just <laughs> so gonna, I don't overstep. Yeah, it's gonna no, it's gonna work out. It's gonna yeah. work out. Man. Yeah. I mean, that's out. awesome, man. You you obviously have worked hard at doing it. You've been doing True. it your entire life. So at this point, like you keep working on your craft. Right. You're humble enough to continue working and probably asking people for advice all the time. Yeah, most who, who definitely. Are, who are the people that you? I'd say respect the most when it comes to them critiquing your work. Um, I mean, I don't really care what nobody says. Well, I'm not saying you should value their opinion, <laughs> but like, do you value like if someone's just like, hey, maybe you should try this, and then you respect them enough to be like, yeah, I'll try most it Most definitely, most definitely. I will try things. I will try things, um, and I'm not closed-minded at all right. um, because music is changing, the industry changes. Um, I'm forever studying. So um, any advice that I that I get, I always make sure I study that advice and try to apply it the best way I can. 
but it, I don't. I make sure it doesn't get in the way of creating from the place that I always create from. Mm. Uh, so I always try to find that balance, right? right. Uh, to uh, okay, you know. But then I know I know sometimes when people are like out of order and like. Nah, I know. No, I'm not. You gotta, you gotta have done some stuff, you oh, know, yeah. in order for me to take that advice uh, head on, you know, and just you know really apply it. But if I don't respect you as a musician, or if you're not working as hard as I am, um, if you, I mean, you better have a Grammy or something. <laughs> oh, yeah, like your cousin, just like you yeah. know what, more baritones. Right, right, and but you know my family, like my sister. For some reason, she has like an ear, and she knows what's hot and cool all the time. My sister just has that cool factor. She, she's the one that got me into fashion and, and dressing and, and all this stuff. So my sister, she's like, yeah, do this right here. Be, the ladies will love that. You know, um, I had a few um, singers, um, Natalie Pope. Uh, she's a crazy soprano in Wilson, North Carolina. Um, and she sung with me a lot. She was like, Sam, you're... You know, when you sing, you know, don't come out so so hard, so fast. You know, make it like a strip tease. You know, tease us. You know, it's like, oh, okay, okay, like that. And so really the, the, the ladies in my life were the ones that really told me the tricks and was like, this is what we want. This is what we need. This, and I immediately, like when I, was in L, when I came to L.A., I applied that shit. <laughs> and it works every time man there's proof of it's like all right it worked yeah, yeah back it, to you. it works man so i think listening to the the ladies uh the, the, in my life um that was my biggest influence on really what to do and how to entertain you wow know? yeah what about the men in your life do they provide any value or? oh man they, they like the coaches you know they taught me how to be a man you know what I'm saying? they right. taught me um toughness uh they taught me um, you know, don't be broke trying to do, you know, right. <laughs> you know, those, those band lessons, make sure you have some money in your pocket, make sure you got a house, make sure you got a car, uh, before you try to, you know, invite somebody else into your life, make sure you got your stuff together. Um, uh, make sure you know about cars, make sure you know how to mow the grass, you know, all that stuff. Uh, you know, uh, the father figures in my life, I have so many, you know, not just my, so my, my uh, biological father passed when I was three. Mm. And then, so I had an amazing stepdad. Uh, I don't even call him stepdad, you know, he's right. like my father now too. Um, Barney Rogers, and he, he was also a pastor. Um, then I have, uh, you know, um, uh, Pastor uh, Dr. Summerfield. He was like, the, le the last church I led praise and worship for for a significant amount of time. Um, he was like a real OG, you know, he was like, yo, Sam, like, come here, man. Yeah, I don't think you've given it y'all. Like, what's going on with you? You good? Like, you know what I'm saying? He would push me, he would push me beyond, um, and he would push me like a coach. He had that deep voice, you know, he had that, um, that presence, you know what I'm saying? He was like, when I had a, I think I had a Ford, uh, Ford Fusion. He was like, that Ford Fusion, cool, but you know, you need to be rolling in the range or something. You need to be, you know, you think bigger, think bigger. You need to be flying here and there, you know, saying, well, you ain't getting no record deals? What's going on with that? Like, he challenged, um, he challenged me as a man, but he challenged me where, well, man, like, I am too comfortable. Yeah. You know, you in an apartment now? You need to buy a house. Where your house at? You know, like, let's do this, this, and this. He, he made sure I got my real life shit together. 
Um, and, and God rest his soul, he, he passed away in 2017. And that's when I started working on moving to L.A. Because I was like, I mean, after, um, after him, you know, he, he was like, he was the one that taught me how to dream bigger and crazy and bold and not care. Yeah. He was like, you know, you, people, people ask me why I bought a, bought a helicopter. I was like, because I want a helicopter. Like, why, why can't I have a helicopter? I'm, I'm writing books. I'm doing this. I'm on tour. I'm traveling. I'm never resting. I can, I can, I can get a helicopter if I want one. Yeah. I was like, you, you damn, I'm sorry. I'm a cuz, but you damn right. I can get a helicopter too. I, I, sh- I, should, I should be in the, I should work hard. And when I work hard, I should reward myself. I deserve the finer things in life. I shouldn't be so, oh, um, you know, not now. No, you're like taught to be humble, you know? Yeah, like, you're taught to be materialistic. You're taught to be humble and taught to be, um, you know, you're not shooting for things, but you're not dreaming enough. You're not dreaming big enough. Uh, now, I think the complete opposite. You, I mean, being humble is cool, but don't, don't um, dumb down yourself. Don't let your light shine. Your light was made to shine. You were made to shine as a person. Um, so a lot of the humble talk, I feel like subliminally, subliminally is telling people to kind of dumb down who you are a little bit, you mm. know, kind of be, oh, kind of hide in the right. shadows and, and stuff. It's a, it's a lot of like, du- every time I think of humbleness and the way people describe it, um, it's more so don't be too good or this, you know, whatever that means. Humble, you know, I'll oh, be humble, be humble. That means shut up, you know, sit down. Um, all right, all right, hold on, hold on. And people don't make it like that. I, I didn't hear anybody telling Kobe to be humble. I didn't hear people telling LeBron to be humble. Um, you couldn't tell Michael Jordan to be humble, you know? You couldn't tell Deion Sanders to be humble. You couldn't tell Muhammad Ali to be humble. You couldn't tell Mike Tyson to be humble. You couldn't tell Michael Jackson to be humble. Even though they were good people, James Brown, the prince, you know, Prince said when he was 17, I'm a star. He wrote that down, I'm a star. Um, and so you have to have that belief in order to, to have the energy to manifest what you really want to do. Or else you're going to get beat down by the people that want you to be humble and don't want you to be great. You know, you got to really be a maniac. <laughs> yep. You cannot tell Kanye West to be humble. You can't. He, everything that he touches sells out. You know, like, we're not even talking about his music anymore, even though we are talking about his music, but, you know, his clothes, his Yeezys, you know, uh, <laughs> his collaborations sell out every time. Anything that he touches sells out. He is still relevant. He's been relevant for, like, almost 15 years, you know. So I take, I look at those mindsets. Um, even being around Jamie Foxx, Jamie Foxx knows he's that dude. Uh, he's probably right now he's probably my number one influence when it comes to mindset because number one he's going to outwork you we play ball together we um we compet- we're competitive and but after when everybody else is gone going to sleep I'm in the studio. I, I lay on this couch all the time, on the studio couch. It's probably like my bedroom now <laughs> at Jamie's house. Uh, same couch Ed Sharon laid on. You know, a lot of people. All the greats. All the, all the greats pass through that couch. And um, 
I would, four o'clock in the morning, you know, I would see his light on in his room and going over scripts, going over reads, going over characters, studying on his phone, um, like certain impressions. You know what I'm saying? He's mastering, I think he has like 60 voices yeah. that, that, he's, ma- that he's mastered. Um, he, he did one of the, um, a few days ago. He said he gave a demonstration while we were sitting at a table. Uh, I felt like he uses his guinea pigs just to, you know, to see if it works, see if it connects to the people. Because if it doesn't connect, he won't do it. Um, and he told, told us, like, you know, once you, you know, once you have Jay-Z, you got Sammy Davis Jr. down, and you got Kermit the Frog down. And he did Jay-Z, then Sammy Davis Jr., then Kermit the Frog, all in a similar voice, but changed it <laughs> right. and tweaked it. I was like, this man is too great. This man is ridiculous. He's always working on stuff. And then the music side, it's like, I'm sitting here working with Fox, man. He has a Hollywood star, bro. Like, and it's just me and him. And we in the lab pushing each other. Um, work ethic alone, the way we push each other, no one can tell me. You can't be humble in, in the way that people tr- try to, you know, to, to, right. to move it. And have the confidence to to work with an A-list like that. You have to know that you're good. You have to believe in yourself, and because they pick up on that, I'm like, oh man, he's too too scared. Humble could come across scared. Usually, you got to be bold. Mm-hmm. Usually, you got to, you know, um, I mean, just be bold. Yeah, that's it. And um, you know, ever since I think 2020, yeah, 2020. Um, we really connected and worked on so many things together. And just that pushing, that work ethic. If you got it, you got it. He taking you with you. He taking him with you. Surrounding yourself with people who want to be the best, right? Yeah, like it's so hard to learn that trait, especially if you didn't have too many trials or tribulations growing up. Like right, right. Grew up in a normal household. Parents mm-hmm. didn't really push you to do much. So like when you do break through a certain barrier that right. you were climbing forever, right. you kind of just sit back and relax, you know? Like, you're, yeah. like you said, you were comfortable. Yeah, Where yeah. Like you, when you're comfortable, that's when you should dig down deep Most and find definitely. that inner thing that's going to set your soul on fire to keep pushing you. Yeah, yeah. It, it pushes you to another, another level. And, you know, I, my mother, she works so hard. Yeah. You know, and, and so I think hard work was just something that was just ingrained in me, you know, either, you know, you got to shoot your free throws every day, you know, you got to get some jump shots up. Um, my mom used to stay up late working on 501c3s and, and nonprofits till four o'clock in the morning, six o'clock in the morning. Um, after a while, I started staying up with her and working on music right beside her. Like, um, we had a, a, a loft in, in our, in our, and she, my stepdad bought her her dream home. So in that, we had a loft in the bonus room. Um, and the, I had my room in the bonus room along with my studio. And she worked on, you know, she had an office in the loft. And if I saw her up, I would glance, oh, she's up, okay, I'm gonna keep working too. Yep. And when she went to bed, that's when I went to bed. So I think it started there. Um, and then uh, one last guy, uh, Jamario Artis, he's the bass player for Bruno Mars. Yeah. Um, I did his first, uh, well, I did all his albums. I produced, mixed, mastered. Um, whatever he needed me to do for the album song on it. And um, his work ethic is nuts. I think Jamario and Jamie's work ethic and the way you have to get the uh, get to the sound that they want fast, it's not just you have to work fast. And 
I think Jamari will push me to work fast so that I will be able to entertain and keep Jamie entertained so he won't leave. Because he was like, oh, no, if you don't have it, he'll just go. He's like, he's not going to waste, waste his time. time. Yeah, he like, he's not going to waste his time. He got other ideas he wants to get out and stuff, and he can immediately tell if somebody can't do it. I started, he started staying in the studio with me. And all of a sudden, it was just me and him because I think that speed. Um, but also natural chemistry. It's like just when you think you're the hardest worker in the room, you surround yourself with people like this, and you're like, damn, I'm not working hard. I'm, not, a, I'm hardly working. It's a reason he, why he's at where he's at. It's, the, it's a reason. And I'll, those A-listers that, that we, we talk about and mention, people, I don't know why people don't talk about their work ethic. Because the only way you can be at that point is you have to have astronomical work ethic. You know, there's no way you can be at that point and not work hard. There's no way you can't you you can be at that point and not be a a master of your craft. There's no way possible. And so the amount of work um, is not a nine to five. It's not. It's it's literally twenty four seven. They're working on ideas. They're brainstorming, and they're continually manifesting things from nothing to something. These are all ideas um, that come from their head and their mind. Even when I'm creating, it's coming from the mind first, and then we create something that's tangible, right, on earth that you can yeah. hear and see. Um, when First, you can hear it. Then we have to do a visual so you can see it. But then I think also with that combination, it allows people to feel. So imagine coming up with something in your mind, and then and then you look at Spider-Man. That was in somebody's mind first, right? And that was the, you know, the six, uh, shout out to every, Tom and, and Zadea, uh, Fox, everybody that was a part of that movie, historical movie. Um, and you see it manifest, man. We got the power to manifest all the time. I'm manifesting every day, you know, just by creating. You know, I think that's like getting your chops up when it comes to understanding the, the manifestation. You have this idea. The only way the idea could come to life if, if you use your hands and, and do the yeah. work. And then if you do the work long enough before you know it, you have a finished product and it's here, it manifested. And I think that's throughout life. You're not going to manifest your dreams. Uh, I'm not going to manifest a Super Bowl unless I do the necessary work to do it. Um, a lot of times, I don't think people, people fail probably because they don't know the steps to get there. If you don't know how to write or make a song or mix and master a song, if you don't know the steps necessary or have the resources to mix and master a song, you're not going to mix and master it even if you have the idea. But if you have all those tools to get to the Super Bowl or to have a career um, big enough that you are asked to do so, if you don't have the tools, you don't have the people to tell you, if you don't have the people in your life that's been there, it's like, hey, just do this, do this, do this. Okay, now dude, you gotta do this long enough. You have to sustain. You know, maybe you, maybe you shouldn't do drugs. You know, maybe you should live a clean lifestyle so you can live long enough to be a legend, to be asked to do the Super Bowl. Maybe it's about life expectancy and, and working that whole entire time. Um, so you know, it's all of that stuff. Manifestation is um, probably my number one <clears throat> exciting thing about life is that we have the opportunity to manifest amazing things every single day that we wake up. Right. I mean, it's 
a part of you now. Like, yeah. if you didn't get up and do something productive, you'd be pissed off. Right, right? right. I couldn't imagine where Jamie's head's at. Yeah. Like, oh. you've got to be productive at what you're doing 24-7. Like you yeah. said, it's not a 9-to-5. Like, you don't work. You love right. what you do. Yeah. You're obsessed with it. I mean, he, Some people might call you a workaholic, but that's yeah, okay. That's fine. I take that as a good connotation right, as right. opposed to a bad connotation. You can't stop a creator from creating. That's just what we do. And when we're in a position to be able to do it with financial, in, with financial freedom, with financial stability, yeah. you know, what better way to do, what better way to make money by creating? Um, and I mean, I, I, I mean, once again, I'm going to reference Jamie, you know, every day, all day. Um, he's pitching, you know, ideas. He's um, brainstorming about new ones. He's writing new songs. He's he's thinking about things, and he has this plan. Um, he has this preparation. Um, and don't think his he 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 is great at improv, but don't think for a second he's not thinking about each and everything that he's gonna do and say, and is not calculated. You know, it's very, he's a very calculated person. Um, and so I also take that to, I'm a manifest, but it's going to be well calculated and used and put into the right situation. So it can manifest more, excuse me. So it can he manifest more. sings a lot, more. ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's a little, it's still a little early for me. I'm a, you know, I usually don't go to sleep to about six or seven. Really? <laughs> yeah. No way, really? Yeah, I'm a night owl. I'm a night owl. That's awesome, man. Yeah, it felt good to go go to bed before one o'clock last night. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, this is nice. My ten thirty, ten thirty, good. Jack's yeah. like, yeah, okay. Hey, we'll make Let's it. Do it. We'll make it work, man. I, I was like, oh, let me go ahead and get here. <laughs> oh my god. Well, I'm curious to learn, like, when you moved into LA in 2019, uh -huh. you know, to talk about like the financial stability of things. Right. Like, you right. were surrounded by people who always, you know, taught you how to. You know, su support yourself, yeah. take care of yourself in every facet of life. Yeah. When you came to LA in 2019, were Oof. you were you set or was it rough starting out? Um, I was pretty set because I was flying back and forth, um, performing and getting in the scene. You know, I was making sure I was getting involved. And LA is is for entertainers. Yeah. If you're an entertainer, you're gonna be fine in LA. You're gonna find work. Um, and then I had the entertaining aspect, live, right? And then you have the, the studio. So those hand in hand, uh, I don't think too many people are coming and singing live like that, but then also producing a record for somebody. Right. Um, Legends did it, right? But um, not a lot of new people are going to out sing and move the crowd and then go into the studio. And I think that was my X factor, was those two components. I wasn't just a singer. I wasn't just a producer. There's a lot of just producers in LA. And it's a lot of just singers. It's not a lot of people doing it both. You know, it kind of, and then mixing and mastering and all that stuff. So I would go into a session, I would, just, I would, I would engineer and vocal produce. You know, that's what I do for uh, Snoop's daughter, Chalk. Shout out to Chalk. What's up, girl? Let's go. You know, she's killing it. I know it. those Snoop's daughter. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah. There's something new every day. Yeah. <laughs> Holy yep. crap. Yep, Chalk is uh, Snoop's daughter, and we, we've been working on music for a while now. Uh, she has some, we, we released, under my label, Harmonics Factory, we released um, three records. Um, so it's, it's amazing to, to, to work with her. It's amazing to work with the family, her mom. You know, I love her mom. Uh, shout out to Boss Lady, what's up? Uh, shout out to Snoop, the whole thing. And Snoop and Jamie are close and tight, too. And so it's, it's just great to be in that atmosphere, but... Um, 
yeah, like uh, I was stepping to a studio and bug produce, and then later on, like with Chalk, I would begin a producer. And then, I, and then after a while, I started mixing and mastering everything, and then it, it turned into uh, we um, this the one of the first songs I vocal produced her on, and engineered is on uh, the latest uh, Snoop album called Algorithm on Def Jam. Oh wow! And so you know, it was like. There's so many things happening um, outside of the Jamie stuff, but um, the Jamie stuff was the foundation and the cosign for people to trust me to do other things. And so I would go into a session. Now sometimes I play keys and do drum programming, or I would go into a studio session. They need me for melody, or um, and then they'll need me for lyrics, or they'll need me to demo the record. Um, so anything, that, or I would just engineer. I would mix and master for people. Um, while doing a show that night, you know, so in L.A., if you can do those type of things and be a chameleon and be able to get into any room and not step on toes, but kind of collaborate. OK, I see the producer. He he plays keys very well, but he may not be comfortable at doing drum programming. Maybe I throw him some drums and then he plays keys over it and arrange it. And then, you know, he could I could do some melody and there, there's our collaboration, bringing a lyricist. You know, put some words to it, and there you have a song, and we can send it out or place it. You know, so um, it's all about getting in where you fit in, understanding the room that you walk into, and understanding how to not dim your light, but also not step on toes unnecessarily. Did you ever do that starting out, or was that ever a fear for you? Trying oh, to again, I, like you knew you had the talent, the right yeah, people liked you, right. but were there ever times where you kind of felt like, oh, I kind of pushed them back here, like I'm. Um, uh, Coming in a little bit too early strong. on, early on, um, you you have to understand like the LA lingo, and this was uh, this was before I moved to LA. I would fly back and forth, and I would try to understand the energy, um, understand the the studio culture, right, and in the unwritten laws of the land, um, and I would, uh, you know, I would respond, you know, and at, at first I was just there to prove what I could do. Um, but after a while, I understood that, okay, get in where you fit in, don't step on toes, be more collaborative with my energy instead of being on display about what I can do. So I, I started coming to sessions, being collaborative, being more of a support system in the industry. It's almost like a service, right? And, um, and once I started doing that, I started getting more callbacks to, to be in the studio. Shout out to um, uh, a Fiction. He's my uh, longtime friend now, but he, he, was, the, he was the one that really uh, invited me into the LA, L.A. studio scene. Fiction is one of the best writers, um, vocal producers, and now he's engineering and stuff, too. And uh, he's an amazing artist as well, and uh, he's one of my best friends, but he's one of the most talented friends I have, too. And right. he showed me L.A. He showed me love in L.A. And... Um, I think that's through fiction. That's how I really got my foot in the door in L.A. in the studio scene. And so shout out to you, homie. When you see this, uh, let's go watch a movie. Let's hang out soon because I know we both working. <laughs> Dude, I mean, you're surrounding yourself with arguably the most talented people, not just in L.A., mm -hmm. but maybe in our country. Jamie Foxx with everything that he's got most going on. Most definitely. I consider him the most talented 
guy in the entertainment industry. Most definitely. Do you see li living in LA? You obviously had the foundation. You right. put in the work. Right. You connected with the right people. The right people liked you. Right. Oof. You're able to collaborate and connect on a level that most people aren't able to connect with these people. Right. Being in LA though, do you see a lot of people walking in LA like this is this is where you make it? You go to Los Angeles. You go to New York, and they just don't even have the foundation. They just expect things to happen. Yeah. Just they, by being there. You know, you can't just come here and and not have a foundation. You know, it's not like how it was back in the day where, you know, you could waiting tables and get discovered. It's yeah. not like that anymore because there's so many models, so many talented actors, actresses. Um, it's a lot of people that went to school for what they do. Um, it's kind of like the NBA, man. You see people that are not playing in the NBA no more that, you know, like um, Sean Steve, uh, I think it's, uh, what's it, Stevenson? He plays for the Pacers now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lance. The guy who blew on what's his face. Yes, Lance. Only way he, I wasn't, know. he wasn't in the league. But he's capable and more than capable of playing and being on a roster in the NBA. That's how LA is. LA you in LA you have the G League. Um, in LA you have college, right? In LA you have high school. And if you want to make it to the NBA of LA. You have to get through those things. You have to have all the tools and the foundations and the training, but also the connections. And the people got to love you. I think if people love you first and people like you first, I think that's how you skip steps. But usually the people that make it through the love first, that skip steps and miss the training, they don't have sustaining careers. Yeah. Um, so have no matter who, if you know everybody get that training um study uh, be a student of whatever craft you want to be a part of and be fully in, in, engulfed in but also figure out how to manage your time because if you come here to la and you don't have no money good luck good luck man you're gonna have to work in la's expensive you're gonna be working nine hours a day you're not gonna have time for your craft or you're just going to tire your, you know, you, you'll burn out that way. Yeah. So I say, if you're coming to L.A., save some money. Have some money in your pocket. Then move. A lot of people say, oh, I'll move with $100 in my pocket. I'm not talking about four years ago or six years ago. We could do, you could do that then. Um, but now, like for the current time, get big on TikTok. Start posting. Yep. Start doing more reels on Instagram. Um, have something to offer when you come here. So it's like, oh, he's done some type of work. He's, he, he, you were consistent in something. So, okay, now people love to build off things that already have a foundation. Build your foundation first. With social media, you don't have to move to LA first to make it. Right. That's now, it's like, oh, but if you want to make it in LA, make sure you have those foundations and then, and then move. That way you'll, you'll be in a G League, right? Right. And then now you move to L.A. or you move to New York or you move to Nashville or Atlanta, or even now Miami, to elevate and, 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 and get into the NBA of the entertainment industry. And um, getting to the NBA of the entertainment industry is probably the toughest step because you have to be a lot of a lot of these people that are A-listers have people around them that have been around them for 15, 20 years. Exactly. So if you can't add anything new that's already there, you're going to have to figure it out. 
So um, it's all about persistence, being ready, being honest with yourself, right? Like, don't, don't, be, don't be foolish. Like, really size yourself up and say, okay, am I really that good? You know, and if you're not really that good, I think the first thing and the best thing to do is being able to say, okay, I'm not really that good. I mean, if you have to ask yourself that question, yeah. right? Yeah, and so then if you're not really that good at what you do, study, get that good, and then re-present yourself. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's all about, I think, self-evaluation and being real with yourself. I mean, it's very, t- like, it's kind of a double-edged sword when you talk about social media. Yeah. It's like you could have a great platform, but especially as a musician, if you've never performed live in front of anybody, like you said, like, being in the NBA of the entertainment industry, that's right. when you know you're good. Right. And you've been surrounding yourself with the right people for years upon years. Like, Tom Holland's 25 years old. Right. Six Spider-Man movies later. Like, yeah. you, you look at that and be like, man, he's 25 years old. He's already killing it. Like, when NBA. he was, like, five years old, he was already, like, being prompt. Right. This, you know? Like, exactly happen overnight exactly you, you moved in la you know being as successful as you are now right. did not happen overnight no not been at doing all since you were three years old yeah, right and right. nobody knows yeah it's a life thing and you know um even when people are get big on tiktok and they they master the art of singing into the camera not making ugly faces and looking pretty in front of the camera and sounding good you know that's an art in itself you know singing like this uh, i had to i had to learn how to do that you know, just sing in front of the camera in a certain way where it sounds good. Um, and you look good at the same time. <laughs> it's like I make faces when I sing, so I had to master that. But um, I've seen, I mean, I've seen people with, you know, a million followers on TikTok that I never heard before. Um, but then when they did a live show, they didn't know how to connect with the people yeah. because at that point, a live show is about the people. That would never change. The industry changes all the time, but the way to connect when you're singing live will never change at all. Just like Broadway will never change. You know, it, times change, but it's certain art forms, it's certain foundation of art that that will, just like in the NBA, you still got to have a jump shot. You got to have the fundamentals. You got to be able to box out uh, and rebound. Performing is, is like that. Um, you have to connect. You have to have certain uh, certain skill. You got to understand staging, all of that stuff to um, to connect. And so I think that's what's happening is that these people are getting big on social medias, but they don't have the skill or the chops to when they do the Super Bowl, right? They will still... You have 30 million on, on TikTok, but they're calling Ariana Grande for uh, still 10 years later, or Mariah Carey um, to still do the Super Bowl, and you got 10 million on TikTok. You know, so what are you not doing? To that's still G League, um, because my, a lot of people in North Carolina are not on TikTok that I know. They still on Facebook and just got on Instagram. Yep. So it's a whole entire. Those are kids, right? Um, that are on TikTok right now, and shout, TikTok is cool. Like I, I just started mine, and I'm I'm getting growth and everything. But you know, I would say to everyone that is is blowing up on TikTok, make sure in person that you are presenting that same energy, 
that you are, are, are giving out when on the social media. Because I don't plan on being a TikTok star for 10 years. I don't plan on being, uh, and, and that's why I would say to them, like, don't plan on being just a TikTok star or a social media influencer when you're 59. What are you really going to do? You know, is that going to spark and you're going to move on from that? You know, like a lot of gamers, are you going to be gaming until you're 97? Like, are you, are you going to start producing other things? You know, you got to start thinking about that stuff. I mean, at that point, you're plateauing, right? Right, right, right. And I think labels need to look at that. Like, come on, labels. We need some substance. We need some consistency. We need to build actual art. Don't piggyback off someone's TikTok following and become lazy when it becomes promoting and pushing an artist. It's like, oh, they got a TikTok following. They stop there. Oh, they got a TikTok following. We don't, oh, I think they feel like they don't have to promote because now they can start doing shows. And I was like, but what if they're not ready to do a show? Is the show going to be dope? Don't just do the show because you can make money from it. That's not going to last. Do a show because it's a dope show. It's an actual show. They have the band. They, make, they have the proper rehearsals. Oh, oh yeah, we can, we can look at the algorithm and tell where we can do a show at. I was like, but that may not be where you need to do the first show. You probably need to do the first show in the atmosphere that is set up so they really, really understands how the NBA feels. Let them experience a real stage, not something that, you know, that's, it's good to do shows in your hometown and all, all that stuff. But not when I got to L. When I got to L.A., I really understood what a stage was. Oh yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> L.A. showed me what imagine. a stage. Uh, I I did shows all in North Carolina, but the real shows are in L.A. You know what I'm saying? Or the real shows are in Atlanta, New York. You know, um, like I did the Apollo when I was 16, um, and that was I really felt the stage. I was like, ooh. The lights and bright lights in you your eyes. Apollo at 16 years old. At 16. Yeah. Do you know anybody that's performed there at that age or even younger? Um, that's got to be close to a record. Yeah. Um, uh, 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 I think Jasmine Sullivan, she did it when she was 11. Lauren Hill did it when she was about the same age. Um, there's been a few. Um, I mean, they're stars. I, mean, I just said Jasmine right. Sullivan, Lauren Hill. So you and what know, did they ever do, right? Right. And so it's like, yeah, man, it's it takes a lot. You see the resume and stuff I forgot about that, you know, just coming coming back to my mind as, as I'm talking, um, that, you know, I had to do in order to prepare for those stages. So back to like the social media and and making sure that you really have a sustaining career but also you don't become a gimmick. Um uh, I always seen like cover artists you know, they, they cover in songs and they get big off of cover songs. But they never have that hit record themselves, right? They never have. I've never seen a cover artist beat out a Katy Perry on a record, beat out, beat out a Beyonce. The Weeknd. The Weeknd is not going to out-sing these social media singers. The Weeknd is not going to... He's not going to give you that. Yep. We 
That's all he's gonna do. He's gonna be in the pocket. And but the the social media influencer is gonna give you You're gonna do all of that. What's on Billboard though? What the weekend did. And so now the 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 influencer is just a oh he did a I love his rendition of the weekend song. When would that flip, right? And that's what I'm aware. That's what I'm hugely aware aware of when when it, when it comes down to um, label telling me, hey, we we need to get your TikTok following up. I'm like, okay, but how? Because the algorithm is based upon me doing things that are not geared toward artistry. The algorithm is based upon me being a follower. To be honest. What I have to do, I have to do the trends. Um, and if unless I'm Tom Holland or unless I'm Jamie Foxx and I'm a household name already, I can't set trends myself yet. So it's like, how do we go about this without dumbing down what I do? Because I'm not going to become a TikToker. No. But I, I do love TikTok. It's cool. But at one point... The label shouldn't use that as a bailout for an artist or to build them. It should be about the art. We sh- it should be about patience. It should be about actually building instead of, oh, they have a social media following. Let's go with them. Oh, man, they big on Instagram, man. So let's, let's roll with them. No, it's some people in, on Instagram that have 2,000 followers. That's probably the greatest artist that we'll ever see. You know, that's just sitting out there. I think we got to make sure we don't forget about that because at the end of the day, the industry is suffering from artists artists with longevity. Oh, man, that's the old school way of thinking about it. That's the old... Well, apparently the old school way worked because... Katie, that's the foundation. That's right the foundation, there. right? And um, Justin Timberlake finna come out with an album. Justin Bieber did it the old-fashioned way, even though he was discovered on YouTube... They took that and developed that, right? Shawn Mendes was discovered on YouTube, but they took that and developed that. He didn't get signed because he had a crazy following on YouTube. Justin Bieber didn't get signed because they had a crazy following on YouTube. He uploaded a YouTube video, and people was like, oh, my God, he can sing. Oh, this guy's good. This guy's good. Then he got sent off, and then it went crazy. It was more hype about the fight it wasn't going to choose Justin Timberlake or, or um, Usher, right? He, cho- he chose Usher, and that was one of the best decisions because Usher understood, he's an, understood, I felt, uh, Usher was the best for Bieber's direction. Um, you got Justin Timberlake, and then you got Justin Bieber. You know, it was too, um, it was too similar. You know, that, that would have been always Justin Timberlake's little brother. Usher kind of took a back seat and chilled for a while. Because Usher is Usher. Yeah. And Justin Bieber was able to get his own name. But it all stemmed from not them already having a following and doing the work of, oh, yeah, they have a following already. Um, the algorithm this, the algorithm that. No, they saw the talent. They saw that he had magic, right? Because it was, guess what? It was, it was 30 or 40 other people that was doing the same type of YouTube videos. But they didn't have what Justin Bieber had, right? Justin Bieber had it. And they took the time to de- develop and build it. And now, guess what? 
Justin Bieber is Justin Bieber. So I think we have to go back to that formula. Do not labels, do not use TikTok as a scapegoat yeah. to do the work. Um, do the work still so that it's a guarantee that um, the artist will be successful. And I think that's my biggest thing right now is that, man, <sighs> social media, yeah. you got you to do it, right? You got to master it. But labels have to get out of the social media algorithm. They do have your to. homework, find the talent, then use your talent to help that talent. Exactly. You guys are for helping out each other, right? Yeah, like radio promotion, this, that, use it. They don't, they don't even want to give advances out anymore um, out, of, out of fear. But I was like, if you work the record, it's very, it's very easy to have a, a, a record if you have the right writers and producers around. Get the right record and push it. What? Use those big label resources. There's only three labels now. You have a monopoly over all the resources. Let's use them and push it. And then keep going, consistent. Push it, push it until it works. That's what they used to do. Now if you have one single and, and, it, and it flops, like why would a single flop, y'all? Why would a single flop? Y'all spend all that time on the music. Something is not right. Either you sign the artist that doesn't communicate when he performs live, or, no, I, honestly, I think that's, that's usually the case. I mean, you don't even know where TikTok's going to be in five years. Like, looking right. at it from that perspective. Right. Like, TikTok, I thought it was going to be banned two years ago. I thought, like, China bought it out or something. That's why I had begin. I had started on TikTok, then I stopped after that. Because I was like, if it, if something that I'm creating has the, has the potential or it can be deleted just like this. If your career can be deleted by a push of a button, right now, a TikTok artist is just as disposable as an NFT. Yeah. It is digital art. And only that. Digital art manifesting and turning into cash or something or, or something funny. But at a given point, if your artistry can be deleted di digitally and that's all you have, that is a problem. There's no safety in saying, oh, I'm just big on TikTok, and that's all you got. What else do you have? Because if, if TikTok was to go away right now, what would you do? Who would you be? Or would you still be, I'm me? Or would you be that person that you are on TikTok if TikTok was completely gone? These now, are some closest. people are going to battle with uh, imposter syndrome. After that. Oh, yeah. You know, some people get so into it. Like, if you took it away, they're like, oh, who am I? Yeah. yeah. I have no idea who I am. Yeah, because you've, you've given yourself over to the algorithm. Yeah. And you can't... We, human minds built computers, man. But you can't turn us into only depending on the computer. We invented that. You know, we are the, we are the inventor. So the algorithm can be great for analytics and just data but you, it's it's life in general is so much more and bigger than data right um you can't have a robot make a cake nope 
and it's not going to make, you can't have a robot make the cake that grandma used to make, right? You can't use auto-tune to sing the hymn the way Aretha Franklin would sing um, Amazing Grace. You can't put auto-tune on that. It's not gonna, it's gonna take away the feel, right? You can't digitize Aretha Franklin's voice right now. You can't put auto-tone on a on a man's world. What are you doing? <laughs> you can't do that. It's messing up the you can't put auto-tune on none of Michael Jackson's records. Thriller? The greatest album of all time? You can't digitize that. You gotta use the the real stuff. And that's what it has to go back to that. That's the only way because, I mean, you can't have so much McDonald's. You gotta, I mean, after a while, it's going to have to be some real soul food. You're going to have to really eat something healthy. Um, people are going to have to hear something healthy, but the industry needs healthy artists. Needs fully healthy, nourished artists. We need a new breed of that so that then the industry can carry on and, and carry the legacy you know, because what if auto-tune crashes? What do you have if auto-tune is done? You know, you got to take it off your template. I did a man's world recently, like, like we said earlier, and I said, no auto-tune. This hat, the only way I can sing this is, is how I sing it live. I want the imperfections of my voice. I want those notes that are in between because your the voice has so many different nuances. You know, like when I sing like... It's a man's world. It has all of that world. Yeah. Auto-tune will take those and tune it and mess it up. I can't. You don't even need it. Yeah. <laughs> it literally doesn't need yeah. it. Great find, Jack. Thank you. Great find. Yeah. We kind of found Who the hell other. needs auto-tune? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, man, it's the digital thing. Um, um, I'm always combating with that. I feel like, and you know way more about it than I do, but like 50% of artists would be exposed if you took away auto -tune. Most definitely. Whoa. Probably even more than that, man. I was trying to be respectful to the music industry. I didn't know. Probably more but than a that. A lot, a lot. I mean, Post Malone, love his music. Yeah. Very talented guy. Yeah. Insanely talented. He wouldn't be in the position he is if he didn't. You and, could tell a lot of his stuff's auto -tune. And I And I think that's more so due to the producer, um, Louis Bell, because they will just, you know, kind of just take his melodies and take pieces and just put it together like a puzzle. Post Malone benefits, though, because he's a rocker. Yeah. And Post Malone is a guy from the South, and he's a little bit older. So his heroes are a little bit talent. You know, his heroes are legends, right? And so he has that foundation. So he snuck it in. He still has that foundation where he can... Um, he can do a country song, a country record. He can do, he has real musicians around him. So even though his music has it, he can still perform live. And that's because of, you know, his age bracket. Um, even Justin Bieber, he started out real young. He had the, all the best vocal coaches. I mean, he had Kurt Franklin as vocal coach at one point in time, I believe. And, um, you know, he can sing without auto-tune. Yep. But then you have the ones that don't, and I'm not going to name those. <laughs> Um, and it's okay. You know, it's an art to sing with auto-tune. You know, instead of singing something like with a heavy vibrato, like, um, I want to rock with you. 
instead of using that vibrato at the end, you you would just have to sing it a little bit straighter. I want to rock with you. You know, and the auto-tune will just correct that note, yeah. and it'll, it'll be more pleasing because you can't have a lot of vibrato with auto-tune. Mm. Um, so it's it's an art to that as well. But um, I would use it now because everybody else is used to hearing auto-tune on voices, but I would use it very subliminally. But um, that was probably a year ago. Now I'm saying I don't care about it anymore. A lot of my records that are about to come out don't have auto-tune on it. So let's kind of talk about that. I know you got a plane to catch, so yeah. I got two more questions for you. Yes, sir. I guess the first one, since, again, you talked about Jamie Foxx a lot, kind of being a big influence for you. Prince, yeah. Yeah. probably a big influence for Huge. most musicians. Yes. Did Jamie have any great Prince stories? Because I'm sure that they oh hung around the same God. circle for many years. Yes, he had. Um, he has a few Prince stories. And... I forgot him. Nah. <laughs> he, honestly, uh, Jamie Foxx is the king of storytelling. I don't think people realize that. The way he tells stories. And, um, you know, I think it was a, a Prince incident um, between him and Prince, a Jamie Foxx Prince incident at Sayers Club, the, the, uh, the venue that, you know, it was my first home, performance home in L.A., and um, I, for, I, for, I really forgot what happened because I'm just so entertained about how Jamie told that story. Um, but I think, I mean, they were in, in the same room plenty of times. For sure they were. Yeah. Especially like at award shows. And I remember seeing clips of when Prince and Michael Jackson was alive and, and, and Jamie being in the same room as that. Yeah, Prince, Stevie, Madonna. Um, uh, Michael Jackson, James Brown, Jamie Foxx. I spent around the time, Denzel Washington, right, around the right. time he won Ray, he did Ray. And won all those awards for, when he, for his um, um, depiction of Ray. And uh, I mean, he's been in every room with anybody and everybody, and everyone loves him. He has a Hollywood star, so of course. <laughs> it's great. When, to me, it's crazy thinking about it. So the last thing I wanted to ask you, because you mentioned it at least 10 times, I'd say, yeah. wanting to perform at the Super Bowl and that being the expectation for everybody. Given yes. that you talked about you know, manifesting all your goals, I'm yeah. sure you write them down every mm-hmm. day. I'm sure there's a catalog, there's a timeline. Yeah. Do you have a specific Super Bowl in mind that is kind of like in the near future? Or is it obviously just going to be based on talent alone when they choose your name, when you get that it's, call? It's going to be based on the records. I have to, from here on out, I took a break from releasing stuff after I um, started working with Fox. Took a break of releasing stuff because I felt myself growing exponentially um, in the realm of uh, just my direction. And I think Super Bowl is all about the hit records. You know, you can, you know, Eminem, Dr. Dre, Mary J. Blige, Katy Perry, Beyonce, um, Britney Spears, Justin Timberlake, Janet Jackson, Prince, Michael Jackson, you know, the list goes, Madonna, the list goes on and on. All those people (laughs) have extreme success on Billboard. And and so it's all about, for me now, the focus is the records. 
And I do have some really, really strong records coming out. So. I was going to ask, like, do you, would you feel confident with the stuff that you have either coming out or stuff you've already released and say, like, this is going to be a huge hit that I can perform in front I, of? I have, I have a few. I have a people. few that I've released. But the songs that I'm about to release are, um, I'm not pulling any punches, man. And I've been doing, like, some snippets on my Instagram of some ideas that um, out of probably, like, like 200 songs and so um right now i'm guinea pigging certain records just to see how if they connect and uh this one record called guy friend oh my, it got a million views on on instagram original you know, that's how i want to go viral yeah i want to go viral from our original content not a cover and um that one went semi-viral i mean a million is pretty good on instagram i ain't going you know, and so um, I released another one called Slay Me that did well. You can see the comments. Oh, my God, I can relate to this. Oh, my God, such a, oh my God, this touched me. Oh, my God, I have chills. You want to see those type of comments on your original content. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of like my method right now um, until I think in around Mother's Day is when I'm going to drop my first uh, official, official singer, single under a major label. Really? Yeah. So how can people follow you? Sam Harmonics. Sam Harmonics everywhere. S-A-M-H-A-R-M-O-N-I-X. Everywhere. Well, if you're not following this guy yet, Sam Harmonics all over social media, he's going to be a star one day. Just talking to you the past, <laughs> I don't even know how long we've been going, man. Yeah. Probably my favorite in-studio guest yet. Wow. Like, I love your story. Love where you come from. You know, you value family, you yeah. value your relationships. Yeah. You got everything figured out, man, it seems like. It, you, you got your shit together, man. Appreciate I'm it, excited man. to see what you guys do. Let's go, It's going to be a blast. I definitely have a reason to come out to L.A. now. Just yes, to see you please, perform. come through, come through. I would love to see it, Jack. Thanks so much for hooking this up. Thanks for actually uh, hopping on the mic, too. I know, thanks <laughs> He wasn't for going me. to, but you yeah. got the agent look going. You got the sunglasses and right. the dress shirt. Got to give my two cents about football. And vaguely answer one question, so it was fun. What, what shoes are you wearing? Wolf and Shepherd. Wolf Birthday and Shepherd from my my mom. She did well. Wolf and Shepherd. What yeah, do you got? Because I got the Jordan Fours. Oh, these are you know some uh, Dior sneakers. Yeah, probably nicer. Probably cost more than both of ours. <laughs> if I'm being honest. But uh, yeah, guys, check this episode out. Sam Harmonics. This is episode 482 of the podcast. Remember, we're sponsored by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness in Scottsdale. If you want to spar anytime, we're more than welcome. Uh, and Koo, hit the lights, man. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.